You're listening to Discriminology, the podcast that aims to dismantle discrimination one discussion at a time. Produced by Launchpad 516 Studios with your host Malik Silau, Steve Kramer, and Sydney Penn. Welcome back to another episode of Discriminology. I'll be your one host for today, Malik Silau, and today we'll be discussing underrepresentation in the tech industry. Historically, there have, been, there have obviously been opportunity gaps across many different professions and disciplines. The tech industry, like others, has significant underrepresentations regarding people of color. Black people make up 7% of the tech industry while making up 13% of the US population. Latinx people are even more underrepresented, making up 8% of the tech industry while making up 18% of the total US population. Why is this the case? What is being done to close this gap? And what can we do about this? Joining me to discuss this topic is special guest, Nikki Keith. Nikki serves as Road to Hire's Director of Development and Partnerships and leads efforts to generate contributed revenue and support strategic partnerships for the nonprofit. Before joining Road to Hire, Nikki served as a Chief Strategy Officer for the Freedom School Partners, a nonprofit dedicated to promoting children's long-term success via summer literacy programs. She has more than 20 years of fund development and nonprofit management experience. Nikki receives her undergraduate degree from Western Kentucky University and a Master's of Business Administration from Wake Forest University. Nikki currently lives in Matthews with her husband, son, and daughter. Uh, Nikki, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you for joining us today. Hi, thank you so much for having me today. Of course, of course. It's really a pleasure to have you. and I'm excited to jump into this conversation. So I figured a great place to start is kind of just explaining to our listeners what Road to Hire is and kind of the overall business model. Absolutely. So Road to Hire promotes economic justice for young adults through on-ramps to high-growth, high-earning careers. And um, you spoke to some of the stats in the tech industry, but on the flip side, in the U.S. today, 6 million young adults are out of school and out of work. We call them opportunity youth. And then there's almost 1 million tech roles that go unfilled and companies really struggle to diversify their tech workforces. So it's road to hire's intent to combat that problem. So how? Um, Road to Hire supports high school seniors via a Pathways program, college students through the Pathways Scholarships program, and young professionals via the Apprenticeships program. And so all of which, from all of these programs, they're all on their way to strong and sustainable careers. And essentially, we have three entry points to this path to economic justice. Since 2016, Road to Hire has supported 1,300 young adults including nearly 900 active program participants and over 400 program alumni in our, who are now employed and advancing in their careers. Yeah, that, sound, that sounds really interesting. So question along those lines, we saw on your website that Road to Hire is committed to mitigating systemic racism. What does systemic racism mean to you and your organization? And what is the target market or target audience for this program? Sure. So when we um, reference systemic racism, we mean those disparate outcomes for people of color. So with respect to education, we mean the achievement gap. 
with respect to jobs in tech, we mean those underrepresented in tech. Um, the U.S. tech industry employs 12 million people and pays handsomely. Um, and the Brookings Institute had a study in 2020 that said just 6.8% of computing and math related jobs are held by Black and Latinx people today. And so that's what we are targeting and that's what we're looking at. And so the community that we serve are young people of color, um, women, also people who come from families that may have limited resources to do that post, um, post high school education, taking that next step. It sounds like you don't need a college education to participate in this program. Is that correct? That is correct. Does that have any implications when it's time to place the graduates of the program? So no, and I'll, I'll tell you why. It's a great question. So when we work, part of our role at Road to Hires, we're working with employer partners on the front end to identify partners who are invested and already largely committed to the work of economic justice, largely committed to diversifying their tech workforces. And we are a part of the solution to help companies find these talented, hardworking young adults who are ready for this opportunity. So when we partner with a company, part of what we do is work on the front end to kind of let them know these are the graduates that will come out Here's the curriculum, here's the training, here are the things that they will participate in. And um, and then they are committed to hiring graduates from Road to Hire. And when we recruit um, new companies though, Malik, honestly, it's it's a conversation that we have to have because they may say, well, how, did, how do they get around this? But largely when these com companies are committed to making this happen, we, um, we work through it and collaborate on it together. Right, right. So throughout this program, um, obviously it's preparing people people for tech roles, but for someone, especially like myself, who's not in tech, that could mean anything from like coding to engineering. So what are the specific job trainings in this program? Right. So we have a couple of different tracks, coding and cybersecurity specifically. And so if you were in coding, you would be um, probably a junior software engineer, a developer. Um, for cybersecurity, it might be uh, a cyber um, a cybersecurity analyst, um, a threat intelligence junior analyst. Um, those are the types of roles. Cyber associates are the types of roles that we're training young people for. I think that probably is into my next question. So I was going to ask what were some of the companies or organizations that wrote to hire partners with, but cybersecurity and things like that, that sounds like you could do work for like for the government and the public sector as well too, right? Absolutely. I mean, cyber is just this growing thing. I mean, we know every every week we're getting an email from somebody saying your account was compromised. Please change, you know, <laughs> your emails. I'm like, I can't remember all of these emails. But nonetheless, cyber two of those a week <laughs> yeah cyber is everywhere and i'm like i might as well just make all my passwords the same because i don't know if it's going to help me not get hacked but to your question uh companies some of the larger companies here in our community so duke energy atrium lowe's nascar truist bank of america ally novant red ventures wells fargo um, and we are actively recruiting additional employer partners as our program continues to grow. 
this sounds like the the graduates of the program have some opportunities to engage with some really cool and secure organizations for sure absolutely definitely some recognizable names yeah in regards to the tech industry overall um you know we kind of alluded to it earlier in the introduction but are there any particular nuances that make the tech industry even harder to diversify when compared to other industries Another great question, Malik. I, I mean, I wouldn't say that I'm an expert on on all industries, but I will say the tech field is largely, you know, filled with men, um, historically uh, dominated by white men in tech. Um, and so, if a young person has never met an engineer, and they're a young person of color, say if if I were my ten year old self, I, I did not know any engineers. I didn't. And so it may be difficult for me to visualize right. a career in a field or see it as an opportunity for something that I did not even know existed. So Road to Hire feels strongly that mentorship, sponsorship are important for success in this field because then you have a larger network. And your vast network can give you access to people in tech, to make connections, learn about the industry, and then further that mentorship relationship. So I will say those are some of the nuances that play into how we approach um, this work. And I would imagine that this is going to be even more important as we, as the economy becomes more tech driven, as society becomes more tech driven overall. Like it, it's probably a field that's going to explode if it hasn't already. Oh, absolutely. I mean, when you think about, I think about COVID, particularly many of us having to stay in our homes and I guess walking into the, the world of buying more things online, essentials, you know, buying your groceries online, buying, you know, your toilet paper, things because you don't want to go out as much. And you got to think every single website that you look at on your phone is built. There's an engineer somewhere <laughs> behind the screen <laughs> sitting there making it look pretty and easy and helping guide you to the click and making it easier than you ever thought um, it would be to shop online. So, so from that perspective, yes, those jobs are growing, but even everything we use, I mean, your refrigerator to your washer and dryer to, you know, appliances all have um, tech targeting people for this program I, I wanted to ask this question earlier it sounds like there's three tracks you're explaining before um is there an age limit so depending on the program for the apprenticeship program it's 18 to 25 the high school program are high school students and so the as an extension those students that go into the pathways scholarships program are the high school graduates from that program so largely they're um a typical age that you'd be 18, 19 when you graduate high school. I'm 25. I turned 26 in February. So I got a, a couple months left if I want to make a career pivot. You, I think you aged out, Malik. <laughs> <laughs> you aged out. It's, it's, it's all good. It's all good. So focusing on the high school kids, right? Obviously, there's there seems to be a pipeline for mm -hmm. this program targeting that age group. And when we talk about black communities, when we talk about brown communities, some of these kids, are, I would surmise, are coming from extremely impoverished backgrounds. Does the program provide 
any resources to ensure that the kids are successful? Absolutely. So specifically with the Pathways High School program, we focus on or partner with the five Title I high schools in Charlotte-Mecklenburg school system. But we also work with Philip O'Berry High School, which is um, a magnet school that's um, for young people who are interested in technology. So it's um, the Tech Academy. So within that program, we have um, professional development instructors and also student career coaches. And some of the things, the curriculum that they learn um, is how to build a, a simple website, also Excel, also just computer skills that will help them when they go on to what's next. What's next might, right. as I mentioned, it might be the apprenticeship program, it might be college. Um, but it helps to prep them for what's ready. And also it, it helps them to explore what are all the things that I need to consider when making these decisions. It talks about, you know, if you want to major in X, Y, and Z, engineering or what have you, what schools offer that and what's required to get in. So that's um, part of it, but also that program equally focuses on professional development skills. So doing mock interviews, right. Um, resume writing, helping um, young people be prepared to <clears throat> present themselves um, to go after their dreams, essentially. Are the parents incorporated in this conversation at all? Absolutely. We have parent meetings and um, before largely on Zoom, but hoping to start to do more hybrid type things. But yeah, the, the parents have to be partners in this work. I mean, it is definitely something where we consider um, how we can share with parents what we're doing via parent meetings and also encouraging them to support their young people along the way. So Road to Hire is in these schools, Road to Hire is making presentations, trying to garner kids to, to have interest in tech. Is there, have you ever found where you, where you maybe had to convince a child that this is a good field or any type of apprehension that you would have to overcome? Well, for the Pathways program, I'd say they're teenagers. So I don't know if it's apprehension, but, you know, their their minds are wide open in a, in a good way. So I don't know that, you know, a whole lot of 17, 18 year olds absolutely know for sure what they want to be. But I will say that we are relentless in sharing. Here are some opportunities to high earning, high growth types of careers and ultimately, if a, uh, a child decides their passion is somewhere else, that's great. We're, you know, we're happy for them, too, um, because that's equally as important as learning what you love, but learning what you don't love. I mean, that is something that we all deserve as human beings. Of course. So, um, so I, I would I would definitely say we probably have some students that are like, I'm not sure what I want to be. But at least we're having that conversation of what are some options and what does it take to get there? We'll be right back. Beep, beep, beep. We are interrupting this show to tell you about our podcast with a very special announcement. Hey, folks, I hope you're enjoying your podcast, which you're listening to right now. But I would like to tell you about another one. We are Sounds Like Autism. Produced by Launchpad 516 Studios, which is full of impactful programming. It's the podcast that celebrates neurodiversity by speaking to the people 
who are helping to create a more inclusive world. I am Dave Thompson. I am an educator and an innovator and a leader within the space of helping the world become a more inclusive place for neurodivergent people as a neurodivergent self-advocate myself. And my co-host, Josh Mursky, is an incredible, hardworking, big picture dude who is on the autism spectrum and super stoked to spread his message of inclusion along with me. We've had folks on from all over, all walks of life, all over the country, and more. You don't need to be someone who is autistic yourself or have skin in the game. You don't need a family member or a neighbor who is autistic. You probably have one, but you don't need any of that to get stoked on neurodiversity and inclusion. We're confident that if you give us a shot, if you join us on our journey, that you'll be a lifer and you'll be fully invested in this mission. We are just so delighted and honored to have this kind of platform to share with you all what we do check us out i hope you enjoy your current podcast and then after that skedaddle and come right over here to sounds like autism and check us out now back to the show you're listening to discriminology with your hosts malik selow steve kramer and sydney pin so throughout this interview i've heard high earning many times what is the average compensation for someone going into this field? So with our employer partners, we work to ensure that when the apprentice students start, they start with on average of $55,000 per year. I mean, the range is probably 50 to 60 for that first job after they graduate. Within, um, I'd say two years, most are making over $80,000. And we actually have a few alum that are five plus years out that are making more than $100,000. And so we just wanna put students on a path so that if they continue, they can get, um, you know, to a high earning career. So it sounds like you follow alumni of the program. Uh, can you explain how the how Road to Hire continues to support alumni throughout their careers? Absolutely. So we have um, alumni, a program associate on our team, and her entire role is to meet with um, our graduates monthly. So we refer to those students that have less than one year tenure in their job as graduates and those with more than one year tenure as alum. And so how we support each group is different. So that less than one year, you have monthly check-ins with our team member to see how you're doing, see what support you need. We also do regular learning and development sessions that might be on professional development or might be on tech. We have a regular speaker series. um, So we have people come in, motivational, inspirational talks for the students. So all of those things. And we also, on the flip side, for those less than one year, meet with their managers pretty regularly to say, how can we further support these students um, as a collective group? And then for the alum, more than one year, there's an alumni council, there's access to the learning and development sessions and the speaker series as well. And many of that, those in that group become mentors for students that are just starting the program. Mm-hmm. That's, that's really cool. I, I think that's a, a big component of seeing the progress of the alumni through because it's one thing to graduate a program, but uh, navigating the tech industry, navigating corporate America in general is a challenge in and of itself. 
do any of your employer partners have any type of programming or considered effort to support on their end as well? Absolutely. Most of our employer partners have um, people who are responsible for doing monthly check-ins with the students as well. They often, some keep the students in a cohort type group so that they're meeting and can, you know, work through their very similar experience of how they're joining their respective organizations. And as I mentioned earlier, I would... One of the bigger things with the employer partners and why this works is these are employer partners who are committed to developing emerging talent, committed to diversifying their workforce. And so they really get it to the degree that they want to make this happen. So managers, other team members can feel that within their organization. And it also has a ripple effect because other employees feel really proud that, hey, we work for an organization that cares more about more than just this dollar bottom line, but also about our community. And not to mention that diversifying your workforce ultimately does enhance your bottom line too. Absolutely. I mean, especially in tech, think we're solving a problem. We got to figure out how to fix this this uh, this website or this build or how to make it. I mean, you wouldn't want five Maliks or five Nikki's on that problem. We want people that are going to all come look at it from a different perspective. And I've heard kind of wild stories in tech about the lack of diversity affecting the products. I've heard stories about hand sanitizer machines not working on darker skin. Mm-hmm. And correct me if I'm wrong, there was, there was a story at O'Hare Airport where like the big touch screen that helped you navigate or the, the airport, it, it wasn't working for people of color either, right? I, I didn't know that one. I have heard about the hand sanitizers. Uh, sometimes I experience that too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we need this program to blow up uh, so we can, uh, so get, we our can get our hands clean <laughs> and, and find our way and navigate the world. I, I didn't want to make any assumptions that our listeners are familiar with some of the terminology you're using today. So economic justice came up a lot. What is What does that mean to you and Road to Hire? So economic justice would be, I guess, for Road to Hire, the way that we would combat systemic racism. So if we have these disparate outcomes, or we know with systemic racism, things in our country, there were a series of actions that got us to where we are. And so we know we have to have a series of actions of equal, if not greater force to get us going in a different direction. And economically, um, the economic injustice that people of color have experienced in this country will only be changed if we're intentional about providing opportunities for people to get on the path to high earning, high growth careers. And I will say though, with that, The young people in our program work tirelessly. They work very hard. They earn every single opportunity. And so it is an opportunity, but they're, I mean, their curriculum is rigorous. The the days are long and there's, you know, this immense commitment to get there. But for economic justice, what we mean is how can we get um, people onto a playing field, which will ultimately, you know, Malik, I guess our greatest dream would be we would be able to disrupt intergenerational poverty, if I could be so bold. Yeah, that's profound, though. But it, it's true. Intentional 
intentional programs like like this is, is what's needed. Um, and I really appreciate what you said in terms of equal or, or more. I would argue that it has to be significantly more than the economic injustice that these communities have faced historically. I agree. I agree. For sure. This all sounds wonderful. Take someone like me that has nothing to do with road to hire, nothing to do with tech, but obviously, um, and, and I speak for the other people that work on this podcast, committed to promulgating equity. What can our listeners, people like us do to support initiatives like this? So I think one is you can spread the word that initiatives, initiatives like this exist. We'll check. That's, we got the first one. Back. <laughs> we got that. We got the podcast going. Because I think often we have a community of people who really do want to um, see better outcomes for others, but they don't know the how. They don't know the where. They don't know where to direct people. I would argue that our organization needs to be much, much bigger to continue to move the needle. But, you know, on a more personal level, we're always looking for mentors. Not only we do obviously recruit tech mentors, but we we seek out life mentors as well. Someone who, regardless of your field or background, who would be willing to spend time with a young adult on a regular basis to help them kind of just listen as they go throughout their journey. It might be reviewing their resume. It might be doing a mock interview. It might be helping with that connection. So you may not be an engineer, but you might know an engineer, right? Um, Making that connection. Those are the types of things that will help um, grow this work. Has Road to Hire ever partnered with company employee resource groups? Um, Because historically, groups like that have not only tried to make an impact internally within the organization, but have looked for community outreach programs. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like that would be a great target, whether it's whether the individuals have tech or not, because the the population is corporate professionals. So they I would imagine they would be able to provide some type of value. Absolutely. We have with some, but not with all. And, you know, as I mentioned, the the employer partners that we have right now, we're only in partnering with about 10 companies in Charlotte. I mean, obviously that, those are huge companies, but there are hundreds more companies in this community. So those that, you know, are in employee resource groups or getting us connected to employee resource groups of people where people might be interested in volunteering or learning more about the program is key to our success. And what is Road to Hire's appetite for remote connectivity? Obviously, the world has changed right in front of us. Is Road to Hire focused on companies that are local or is this kind of a national initiative? Like, what's the scope? So great question. Um, For the first several years, we've all uh, we've been local um, in Charlotte. Obviously, the um, the pandemic helped us learn that we could do things remotely and virtually probably better than we ever thought we could be because this program was an in-person program. Um, And now it is a a virtual program, but we hope to go back to be hybrid. But we are moving on to, we're launching our next cohort in Austin, Texas. And so as we continue to grow, we're also looking to expand to Atlanta, um, 
the Raleigh-Durham area, Dallas, and um, Richmond. Is there any particular strategy with these locations? Because some of them sounded like bubbling tech hubs in their own right. So is that how you're targeting these locations? Right. You are a quick study, Malik. Yes. I mean, the, the road to hire apprenticeship program, the model only works when we have the jobs. I mean, we can train young people all day, but at the end of the day, young people need jobs and they need benefits and they need jobs that can put them on the path to high earning, high growth jobs. So, yes. Yeah, so these are these locations were chosen for a number of reasons. One is obviously the jobs exist, but also there are communities that largely have um committed to or made statements about their commit commitment to um, diversifying their workforces, um, su supporting opportunity youth. Um, so those are the types of things that we need to make the program work because Road to Hire is a part of a solution for a larger issue. And where those factors are at play are how we determine where next. I would imagine eventually locations like Oakland would be on that list since it's right outside Silicon Valley. Possibly, possibly. Um, we're not there yet, but, and I will also, <laughs> so that one has not come across the radar while the, the jobs do exist, but also there's bandwidth. Yeah, bandwidth and, um, <laughs> and just, I don't know, we'd have to, obviously we probably wouldn't be able to start with, you know, a $55,000 um, job. Right, because of the cost of living out there is right. Oof. Probably be a different. So, We'd have to do some adjustments for the market. We have to do some market research to get that for right. Sure. For sure. Are there any key takeaways you have for our listeners before we kind of wrap up today? Yes, it's important to keep in mind that several years ago there was a study out of I would believe it's Harvard by Raj Chetty. And Charlotte was ranked 50 out of 50 for upward mobility um, for people of color. So, and also just meaning that if you were born in poverty in Charlotte, the likelihood of you escaping poverty is limited, extremely limited. We've mentioned this, but largely Road to Hire feels that cycles of intergenerational poverty and systemic racism can be permanently interrupted and disrupted, but it will take change to long held practices. So, I mean, we talked about just how people get access to companies. And so that's a big component of the road, road to hire program is how do we get people from these diverse walks of life onto into these opportunities for jobs. So that's one. And we also believe that employer partners and companies will embrace this change and largely have um, embraced these non-traditional talent pipelines. We talked about those students without college degrees. Um, if Road to Hire continues to make it easy for employer partners and we continue to train students so that they are strong performers. So those are a few takeaways. Other takeaways we I reference, I mean, con con consider serving as a mentor, a life mentor, or a tech mentor. We love volunteers. Follow us on Instagram or, or 
all socials, it's at Road to Hire. And for any information about anything that I've said today, uh, visit our website at roadtohire.org. That sounds great. We love to end with the call to action. So you you covered it all. Thank you. It was a pleasure to have you on the show today. Thank you. We we really appreciate your time. Thank you, Malik. It was so nice to get to meet you. Thanks for tuning into the show. Discriminology is brought to you by Launchpad 516 Studios, executive produced by George Andriopoulos. Our theme song, Wild Ones, is licensed through Twano Beats, LLC. Other music and sound effects licensed through Epidemic Sound. Discriminology is hosted with Podbean. Make sure to subscribe to this feed wherever podcasts are available and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts while you're at it. Follow us at discriminology underscore podcast on Instagram, at discriminology3 on Facebook and Twitter. Make sure to follow all the great podcasts produced by Launchpad 516 Studios.